Good morning, friends. It would be good to keep uh, your Bible open uh, to follow along, but let me pray uh, that God speaks uh, to us through his word today. Let me pray. Uh, Dear Lord, we do thank you uh, that you don't leave us uh, guessing to know what you are like uh, or what you want for us as your people and as your creation. Uh, Lord, I pray I speak faithfully today from your word that we might uh, be encouraged and challenged uh, to know you and to love you more. Amen. Uh, You might have heard the expression, a burden shared is a burden halved. Uh, The Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes uh, shares a similar wisdom uh, when it says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labour. If either of them fall down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Whatever the situation, good or bad, uh, we feel better when we have someone with us, you know, standing together. Uh, So for some, and I say this with no gender insinuation whatsoever, uh, it might be as trivial as having company uh, when you go to the bathroom at the local restaurant. Uh, But even something like uh, getting lost uh, on your way to Janolan Caves, uh, which is slightly more traumatic, uh, is that little less traumatic when you are lost together. It doesn't solve the problem of being lost, but it just gives you that sense of comfort and and sort of a a misguided confidence that somehow, together, you will work it out better than just doing it alone. Uh, Today we're beginning a new series in the letter to the Philippians. Uh, And uh, it starts by Paul rejoicing in their partnership together. So the letter is inspired by God, but written by the Apostle Paul. And most likely he's in Rome, uh, he's definitely in prison, and he's in prison because he keeps talking to people about Jesus. And Philippi wasn't just another part of the Roman Empire, Uh, it was a Roman military colony. So it's kind of like the retirement village Uh, where ex-Roman soldiers uh, went uh, after they were released from service and they were given plots of land, uh, partly as an acknowledgement of their service and partly just for surviving for 20 years. And so the culture had a deep allegiance to Rome and to Caesar. And it wasn't particularly tolerant of Christians who have their allegiance to Christ. And so if you're going to stand firm in that type of environment, then it helps to know that others are standing with you. And often the courage of one person then emboldens someone else uh, to stand up and to step up. And that emboldens someone else. And then the next thing you know, you've got a whole movement. Uh, So today we're just going to look at the opening 11 verses of this letter together and this theme of partnership. So it starts with a greeting. And it's a little more sophisticated than my greetings, which are, hi, how are you? Okay, this is what Paul says. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul introduces himself and his offside of Timothy 
as servants of Christ. Uh, But in the Roman world, uh, a servant literally meant slave. And that says a lot about how Paul sees himself. His life is no longer his own. He is now dedicated and committed to Christ. He can no longer live the way he wants. He no longer makes his own choices. He chooses to be obedient to his Lord. And he takes great pleasure in living in in his service of Christ. But the word servant has a very different association for people from a Jewish background. Because the great uh, leader Moses... Uh, who led Israel out of Egypt, he was also called a servant of the Lord. And so was Joshua, who led Israel into the promised land. So for Jewish people, uh, the word servant has the idea of authority. And really, if you put those two together, now that's a good picture of Paul, that he has been set aside to serve the Lord. He has a position of authority, but he chooses to submit himself to his Lord. To Jesus Christ and that's a position of humility and so that's Paul and Timothy and then he writes to the holy people in Christ Jesus that's a pretty lofty introduction isn't it you know I'm a Christian uh, I don't feel particularly holy but it's a statement that's more about God's mercy and his goodness than their goodness because it's God who acts and God who calls people to be his people. And God's action is alluded to in in the second verse, in verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Grace is a fantastic surname, uh, but uh, it is also the description of what we get uh, when we get something good, when we don't deserve it. And in this case, what we get is life. So God helps us to see the need for a relationship with him And God provides the means to restore that relationship. We can't save ourselves, but God chooses to save us through his death and through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But with that also comes a commitment. We live in the world, uh, we enjoy the good things that, that life has to offer. But as Christians, we are called to live different to our world. You know, our world says be true to yourself. Christians are called to be true to God. And as Christians, the result of grace is peace. Because whatever circumstances of our life, good or bad, we can be confident of our relationship with God and we can be confident of our future. Not because we are good, but because God is gracious. But before we leave this greeting, I want to pull out three words uh, that I've missed so far. All, overseers and deacons. So one of the big themes in this letter is going to be unity. And these three words sort of preempt what's going to come next. So there's a fair bit of dispute amongst the Christian community. And Paul's not trying to take sides, but he wants to acknowledge that all of them, whatever the situation, whatever dispute... All of them share one fundamental thing in common and that is they've all been saved by the same grace of God. And often the issue of unity is connected to the issue of leadership. 
So overseers and deacons was just the language they used for those who led the church community. And Paul you know, draws them out for particular mention because he wants to acknowledge their position and he wants to acknowledge their authority and their responsibility. So leaders are responsible for providing the direction of the community. But they're also responsible for how the church functions together. It's not just about where we're going, but how we go there together. And so how we relate is just as important as what we do. So for a very modest number of words, there's a lot in that greeting. Uh, and they're kind of like you know, strategically placed dots on a, on a piece of paper. And then Paul goes into the body of the letter and he starts to add a few more dots and we, then we start to join the dots and we see the whole picture. And so Paul then goes on to say, I thank my God every time I remember you in all of my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that who you began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. So whatever the situation is that's going on in Philippi, Paul wants to start by focusing on the joy he has in their partnership. So when the Philippian Christians heard the gospel for the first time, they knew it was true. They recognised Jesus as the risen Lord and Saviour. They repented and they committed themselves to his authority. And that means they share a unique bond together. Even though they're separated by a huge distance, they are partners Uh, But it's more than just partners in a common cause. They have become family. So literally, when one is rejoicing, all rejoice. But when one is suffering, they feel and share in that suffering. And Paul is confident that what God has started, he will continue on to completion. So if we're saved by the grace of God we didn't earn it, we don't deserve it, then equally God continues to hold on to us by the same grace. Every Christian uh, is going to have their times of struggle. Uh, We're going to have times of doubt and we're going to have times when we do the wrong thing, quite often. Uh, Sometimes we give in to temptation, sometimes we don't even bother trying to give in, we just grab it with both hands. But even then, you know, for all the ups and downs, Even then, if we are genuinely followers of Christ, we will recognise our sin, we'll recognise God's grace, and we will repent. And we can be confident that even then, God will hold on to us. And so for all of the pain of the journey sometimes, there is a joy in knowing that it's not about me and my strength and my goodness, it's about God's mercy and being confident in God's grace. So they're partners joined together in Christ, but they're also partners in proclaiming Christ together. They have a shared task, a shared mission. So verse 7, whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul, in his former life, was a zealot for God, but not for Christians. So in in a former life, he went round from city to city persecuting 
Christians and trying to wipe out this Jesus cult. That was his sole aim in life. And then he meets Jesus on this road to Damascus on one of, one of his crusades. And he goes from persecuting Christians to then proclaiming Jesus to anyone who will listen. And as we know, people are now so offended by what he has to say that he's ended up in prison for it. And even though the Philippians aren't with him in jail, they share in this common cause of defending and confirming the gospel. And equally, Paul stands with them as they stand up in Philippi for being Christians. And so a little bit later in our passage, we didn't read it, but this is what it says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So they share in a common partnership in Christ, but they also share in a common cause, and they share in a common fate. Uh, They are all suffering for their faith. Our culture would be a heck of a lot more tolerant of Christians if we just shut up and kept to ourselves. And there's no doubt that the gospel is offensive, isn't it? Because it challenges our perceived right to do whatever I want without guilt or consequence. It challenges my autonomy. But for those who see the brokenness of life, uh, who know that there's more to life than simply eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow you die, then the words of the gospel, uh, knowing that there is a God, that God loves us, that God chooses to save us, uh, they are the words of life. I don't know if you've ever been dumped in the surf. Uh, I try to be a surfer. It's, it's a hit and miss you know, kind of uh, hobby. Uh, but you know, if you've ever been dumped, you know that feeling when you come up for air? You, you've been going around the washing machine uh, and you come up that first breath as you come to the surface. Uh, you know, that, it's just an awesome moment, isn't it? Uh, that's what it is to be a Christian. To, to hear the gospel and to actually know that it is true is like coming up for oxygen and, and feeling it for the first time. Paul and the Christians in Philippi, they could have just shut up and kept to themselves. They've got their faith. They could just sit there and be happy. Uh, but they choose to risk persecution. They choose suffering. They even choose risking death, not for their sake, but for the sake of the people around them. Because what they've got is so precious that they want everyone to hear it, even those people who are going to persecute them for it. So what does partnership look like for us uh, as we sit here in Shell Harbour? Uh, Well, I think at least part of it is how we support other Christians around the world. And for us in particular, uh, we've got uh, three families uh, overseas uh, who are serving in different parts of the world. And it's not just that we send them money, but actually we share in their ministry together. And so we should be as invested in their ministry as we are in our local ministry, uh, because we are in it together. Uh, On our local church level, just here within our community, 
Uh, there are so many smaller things going on each week and it's, it's easy just to look at your bit or the bit you attend uh, rather than seeing that bigger picture that we're a bigger church family. You know, if we're not careful, we can get a very siloed view of even life together in a church. And so for our seniors, uh, we want to be invested in our children, whether they're our biological children or family children or, or not. Equally, we want our children to be invested in their way uh, in our seniors. And we want to care what's happening in our scripture in schools, whether we are personally involved or not. Because it's our church community. We are partners together. And so we share in our life together, not just as simply younger people or older people, but as brothers and sisters in Christ. So back to our passage, they are partners in the gospel, uh, they're partners in the cause of the gospel, and then Paul now goes on to pray that they might continue to be discerning partners in the gospel. Verse 9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We often think uh, when we get married that that's an end. Uh, We have chased, uh, we have wooed, uh, we have finally convinced that fantastic, wonderful other person to actually marry us, and then we have a party to celebrate. Uh, But of course, uh, marriage really is just the beginning, and if you've been married for a while, you, you know that, don't you? That when you get married, you form a new family unit. Uh, we start to get to know each other in a different way than when we were simply dating. Uh, Our lives are now entwined together. Uh, We're now interdependent. And then after a while, you start finishing each other's sentences. And you get pretty good at knowing uh, how they will respond in any given situation. And it's the same with our relationship with God. Becoming a Christian is the start, not the end. So God speaks through his word, the Bible, but more profoundly, he speaks through his Holy Spirit. Uh, There's plenty of people who who read the Bible uh, as a book uh, and they come away feeling no closer to God than when they started. It's it's words on a page. uh, Some of them are quite good. Uh, But for a Christian... Uh, as they read the Word of God, uh, it's living and active. It actually touches something. It stirs something. It teaches them something about the nature of God. It shows them about themselves, who they are, what they value, uh, our failings, uh, what our circumstances in life should be and could be. And as we come to understand who God is, and we, as we understand who we are before God, then we start to understand how God wants us to respond in any given situation. We start to become discerning because there are so many scenarios in life where the answers just really aren't that simple, are they? How do you respond to your friend who's gossiping about you on Facebook? Uh, How should I prioritise my child's extracurricular activities? Is it always the case of just more is better? How should I react to my boss who takes great pleasure in ridiculing me for being a Christian? 
None of those questions have simple cut and dry answers. They take discernment. But the more we understand who God is, then the more we can understand how he wants us to respond. And if we really are followers of Christ, then not only will he help us to see how to respond, but give us the capacity to actually do it. So our lives will be, in verse 11, filled with a fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Even our capacity to do the right thing is part of God's grace to us. And praise God for that, because if it was just relying on me and my discernment, then it would be a very uh, self-centred outlook on life. And it certainly doesn't mean that we will always get it right. But the more we listen, the more we understand, the more we can see how to apply it, and equally, the more we can see when we get it wrong. And when we get it wrong, we acknowledge that, uh, we seek forgiveness, we seek reconciliation, and we know that before God we are forgiven. And so as Paul writes to this Philippian church, there are threats everywhere. He's sitting in chains, probably literally chained to the guard, uh, waiting trial. At the same time, the Philippians are getting attacked by the culture around them. And if that's not enough, you know, to get that assault from the front, uh, there's issues within the church itself. So some feel that they're suffering from persecution from those around them and getting stabbed in the back at the same time. But in all of this, Paul prays with joy and he reminds them of the partnership they share together. God's mercy saved them. God's mercy will continue to hold them. God's mercy will continue to work in them. And whatever comes next, they are in it together as partners. That was the truth that Paul recognised with his relationship with the Philippians. But it's equally true for us. Because of God's grace, uh, we are partners together, warts and all. And isn't that just an incredible blessing? Let me pray. Dear Lord, we thank you in your mercy that you would choose to save us through your Son. And we thank you that you gather us together uh, with brothers and sisters in Christ, that we we are not alone in the world, uh, but that we are partners together, uh, partners as brothers and sisters uh, in Christ uh, and partners as we serve you uh, in our lives each day. And so, Lord, we pray that we recognise that partnership. We pray uh, that we are thankful for it and we rejoice in it. 